Mr. Tucker, I appreciate a hundred percent coming on today to talk to we, with me on the the Anchor Up podcast. It's a uh, a pleasure to to meet you, and uh, I'm just excited to hear you know about your story. And so, what I would like to do is just kind of start off with you on a little bit of background on yourself, uh, a little bit of history on you so people can know you first and then we can get into a lot of the things you're doing today. Well, Matt, first of all, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you today. Uh, I'll give you the sort of condensed version here. So I was born and raised in Chicago. I'm the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from my voice, but I'm, <laughs> I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I actually went to college at the Citadel, a military college in South Carolina to play basketball. I, I have another brother who's six foot seven who pitched for Notre Dame, another brother who's six foot six who was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA, and then my dad was six five. So I sort of joke that if you sat behind our family in church growing up, there wasn't a prayer's chance you were going to see anything, you know, that was going on. But our our five foot eight inch mother was kind of the boss. You know, it didn't matter how big, tall, strong we were, whatever mom said, that's the way it was. When I graduated from the Citadel, I moved home to find a job. I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. Fortunately, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain, in their marketing department. Unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother, who were both dying of different forms of cancer. Professionally, as I said, I started out as a hospital or as a uh, marketing person at Wendy's, then I moved to hospital administration, and then I made a major pivot in my life, and I became a police officer, and I worked undercover narcotics. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator, started my own school security consulting business, um, eventually got into coaching girls high school basketball, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, made the brilliant decision to start a motivational speaking business right before the pandemic hit, so probably my dumbest move in terms of business. <laughs> And then um, was became an author in 2020. And then I guess finally, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's graduated of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. Nice. Well, thank you for that. So it's uh, I think it's not that crazy to start a motivational speaking business during the pandemic. I mean, if you think about it, I think now more than ever, lots of people could use that motivation, right? There's been a lot of people that, uh, you know, closed off and they had to stay home. And, you know, like you said, like for, for your parents, when you were at home earlier in your, in your young career, like if this, if that would have been now during the pandemic, like nobody would have come around. Right. I mean, cause you just don't want to take that chance. You just want more time uh, with those people. But I, I do see a lot of people, they need a lot of motivation. So you probably, right place at the right time, right? Normally great ideas always happen like that. And uh, congratulations well, they, they, to your daughter as well for being in the Air Force. Thank you for her service. We really uh, love to know that uh, there's a whole bunch of people out there other than us that are continuing the charge. So thank you for that. Well, thank you as well for your service. I, I mean, it's it takes a special breed of person to want to, to do that, to want to serve, you know? And so I'm very fortunate we have people like you and my daughter who, who want to do that. So, uh, but you're right. I, I mean, it was, you know, starting the, the business in terms of motivational speaking was the right thing to do. But it was just trying to figure out how to do that in a closed, you know, society when nobody was doing anything. And, and really, I was fortunate to kind of morph that into 
podcasting. And, you know, I remember somebody reached out to me the first time. It was like, hey, would you be a guest on my podcast? And I was like, what's a podcast? You know, I, I had no idea what was going on with that. But it, this is I've been so fortunate with that that, I mean, I've, I've been on well over 400 podcasts all around the world to talk about, you know, motivation and my experience with cancer and things like that. So it's, it's been a great opportunity and, and I've met great people and learned a lot. Yeah, no, and I that's that's a great uh, point you just made because I was going to kind of ask you about that next. It's like, uh, of all people that could have learned how to do something during a pandemic and still be successful and figure it out and use the resources. I mean, you had a, a ten year from what I read, ten year battle with cancer, right? So you fought it. For yeah, a long and, and time. that unfortunately is still going on. And and so who better to figure out? success when you're faced with adversity than you so i mean if you don't mind can you tell us a little bit about you know that battle and what's 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 gone on and and what it looks like today for you sure so um 2012 i'm a girls high school basketball coach in 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 the houston area and i have a callus break open on the bottom of my foot and initially don't think a whole lot of it because as a coach you're on your feet a lot but after it doesn't heal for a few weeks i I made an appointment to see a podiatrist friend of mine a foot doctor friend and I got in there and he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he does. And he shows it to me. It's just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it, no dark spots, no blood, nothing that gave either one of us concern. But fortunately or unfortunately, he sent it off to pathology to have it looked at. And then two weeks later, I received a call from him. And as I said, he was a friend of mine. And the more difficulty he was having explaining what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming. Until finally, he just laid it out for me. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen the form of cancer that you have. You have a rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And because your cancer is so incredibly rare, I recommend you be treated at MD Anderson Cancer Center uh, in Houston. And and so I did. I had a, a surgery to remove the tumor on the bottom of my foot and all the lymph nodes in my groin. And when I healed, my doctor put me on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. The side effects of the interferon were that it gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. Hmm. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that was not a cure. That was, as my doctor said, we're trying to kick the can down the road to buy you more time for more therapies to be developed. 2017, after I'd been on the interferon for about five years, I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which is usually not compatible with being alive. And that was just the toxicity of the interferon. So I had to stop that. And almost immediately after stopping the interferon, the cancer came back in the exact same spot on my foot that it presented five years earlier. That necessitated the amputation of my left foot in 2018. 2019, the cancer worked its way up my shin, uh, requiring two more surgeries. And then in 2020, an undiagnosed tumor kind of in my ankle area grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And my only recourse right in the middle of the pandemic was to have my left leg amputated. And I also found out I had tumors in my lungs and I'm still being treated for that right now. And I know that sounds like a really dark and ugly story, and it certainly has been, but I'll tell you this, cancer has made me a better human being. And what do you, what, and, and why would you say that, 
you know, that that experience has made you better? Like, what, what do you, can you help people? Because a lot of people will say, I went through this horrible thing and it made me a better person. You know, and it's, I think it's always interesting to get everybody's individual take on, on what you mean by that. Like, how did it help you? I, I mean, it helped me in so many different ways. I, I, I mean, we're all going to experience pain in our lives. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain or even any kind of an illness. It could be, you know, you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, you flunk a test at school or you don't get the promotion at work that you believe you deserve. Pain is inevitable in our lives. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering, that's optional. That's what you do with that pain. Do you use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? I, I mentioned that I had played basketball in college. So I started playing, you know, part of a team being in team sports when I was nine years old. And I played all the way up till I graduated from college. And I think one of the things that team sports teaches you is the importance of being part of something that's bigger than yourself. And I'm sure you can relate to this being in the military. You know, it, you, you, you know, as a soldier, an airman, a sailor, whatever it is, you are, you know, you're part of a team. And, and you realize that if you don't do your job, not only do you let yourself down, but you let, you know, your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, et cetera. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this game of life. So right now I am on a clinical trial drug that more than likely is not going to save my life for these tumors that I have in my lungs, but maybe it's gonna save the life of somebody five years from now or 10 years from now that I don't even know. And, and to me, that's being part of something that's bigger than yourself. So that's just one way I, I think that, that cancer has helped me. And just being able to tell my story and let people know that, you know, th this whole thing about, you know, instead of running from pain, embrace it, use it, flip it inside, burn it as fuel, use it as energy to make you a stronger individual. So I've been able to sort of tell my story and hopefully help people along the way that are like, oh, I could never do that. And I've had people say that to me. It's like, Terry, I could never do what you did. And, sure. and sometimes I can be sort of a smart aleck and I'm usually saying, yeah, you're right. You can't because you've already decided in your mind that you can't do this. Your mind can only hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative thought? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people around today when when I just go around, you know, I do I do real estate. I do a lot with veterans and, and I help a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people that need help. However, um, a lot of them don't get the help that they that they need because in their mind they're okay, right? Or there's no point, right? A lot of people give up really quick when they're handling- Matt, you're totally point. breaking up on me. I, I can't hear you at all. Sorry about that. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I was saying a, a lot of people give up before they get started. And the reason is they just don't think that there's any point of trying. And so when you get to that point- um. I, I try to tell all those people that I know, like there's other people around here that want you to fight for things to continue other than yourself, right? It's not always just about you, but so many people could get help if they wanted it for whatever reason, they just don't want to get the help or they feel like if, you know, coming from a military background, a la coming from a sports background, athletes, military members, first responders, and you were a police officer, you know this very well. They don't want to ask for help. 
Because if I ask you for help, that means, you know, probably the be- the worst, you know, choice of words is I'm weak in that. Like, I, I, I'm not that person. I'm the person that's always here to help everybody else be better. So there's no way that I can ask for help. And I think it wasn't until I got way further along in my, my career in the Navy that I realized that there was becoming a change. And I think we're seeing that change now is that people are being encouraged nowadays to get help. Whereas when I was younger and probably when you were younger in the police force, don't ask for help because then you won't get promoted or your career won't, you know, grow further, you know? And so, I mean, you know, knowing that and knowing that a lot of people don't ever reach out to get the help or they don't try to get it. What are, what are some of the things that have helped you overcome these traumas that you faced? What kind of things did you reach out to? And what are the things that may have helped you that other people can see it's, it's, it's easier than you think to get help sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I always talk about the, the, the things that have really gotten me through this are what I call my three F's. And those are faith, family, and friends. And you're right. I, I mean, you know, we, we like to think that, you know, as first responders or military or athletes, or, you know, that, that we're untouchable and, and we're not. And, and I guess I would like to make the point that it, it really is a sign of strength to understand that you are weak in, in some places and that you need help. And it's not, you know, you're, you're, you're not any less of a man or a woman, you know, to say, hey, look, I need some help. And, and I always, when I was a hostage negotiator, uh, with with the Cincinnati Police Department, you know, I'm dealing with people that are that are in crisis, and I, I've had some some uh, podcast hosts that have asked me about that. And and what I always tell people is, look, if you think somebody you know might be looking to harm themselves or kill themselves, ask them. And you know, people always yeah. seem to think that, oh, if I ask them, I'm going to put the idea in their mind. You're not. If if you ask them and they're thinking about it you may open that door that are like, oh, thank God, somebody, you know, cares. Somebody will listen to me. Somebody will give me some help. You're not going to put the idea in their mind. If, if it's not true, and, and we did this as negotiators, we would just say, hey, look, are you thinking about harming yourself? And if they if they weren't, they would, you know, kind of fire on you and be like, no, you idiot. I'm not thinking of doing, okay, fine. But I just had to ask, but if they are, then you open that door and you give them possibly a resource where they're not going to do it because somebody cares, somebody loves me, somebody's listening, somebody will reach out and help me. So I guess I would make that uh, claim with your audience that if you know somebody that's in that situation, you're not going to put the idea in their mind. But if you if you ask them, if you think it it might be happening, there's a good chance that it is going to be happening. So don't be that person that say, "Gee, I wish I would have said something after that person harms themselves." So. That, I guess that's sort of a long-winded answer to that part of the question. And then going back to my faith, family, and friends, I've always had a, a very deep faith in God. And, you know, we're, we're great as human beings where we start down a road toward a goal and then we butt up against, you know, whatever it is, some kind of an impediment, and we quit and we give up. But we just don't do that. Now we got to blame somebody. We've got to find some, you know, I want to blame mom and dad or my boss or my station in life. And people have asked me, well, you got this terrible form of cancer. Who do you blame? What, who do I blame? I, I don't blame anybody. Well, you must blame God. And I, I was always been like, no, I don't think God got up on a Tuesday morning, checked his to-do list and said, Terry Tucker, cancer today. I don't think that happened at all. <laughs> but I do believe my faith has given me, or my God has given me the, the strength to, to get through this. And then family, you know, it, it's my daughter and my wife and I, and that's it. And 
when I had my leg amputated, I found out, you know, my doctor wanted to start me on chemotherapy. And I looked at him, I'm like, is this going to save my life? And he's like, mm, probably not. I said, well, I don't think I want to do that. And I was eight years into this fight. And I said, but I'll go home and talk to my family. And so I did. And, you know, I'm starting to tell my wife and daughter and my daughter, you know, she's in college at the time. She's like, all right, we need a family meeting. I'm like, family meeting? There's three of us. It's not like we got a board here or something like that. You know, <laughs> so, so we sit around the kitchen table and we talk about how we each feel about me taking chemotherapy. And then my daughter's like, all right, let's take a vote. How many people want dad to have chemotherapy? And my wife and my daughter raised their hand. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I getting outvoted for something that I don't want to do? But I remembered back when I was in the police academy and our defensive tactics instructor used to have us bring a photograph of the people we love the most to class. And as we were learning different techniques to defend ourselves, we were to look at that photograph because he reasoned you'll fight harder for the people you love than you will fight for yourself. So I ended up taking chemotherapy, not because I wanted to, but because I love my family really more than I love myself. And then finally, friends. When you get a, a chronic illness or a terminal illness, you really find out who the people are that will support you in your life. And, and I, I guess I'll leave you with this because I've done this. How many times have you, know, you known somebody was going to go in the hospital, even if it was for something positive, like they were going to have a baby or something like that? And what do we always say? Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Well, yep. guess what? I'm going into the hospital to have surgery. I don't have time to figure out how you can help me. If you really want to help me, get involved. Don't sit on the sidelines and pretend you're playing in the game. No, that's, that's a, that's a good point. I think, uh, coming from the military and being in a military background, I look at, uh, a lot of guys that I know. I, I reach out to a lot of guys. Matt, I'm losing I, you again. Oh, sorry. I don't know what it is today. Is that better? Let's see here. Is that better? Good. You're frozen on me. I don't know if uh -oh. you can hear me. What about now? Uh, let's see. How about now? That's better. Okay, yeah. I was going to just say, you know, I have a lot of buddies that I was in the military with that I call quite often just to say hi. And then, you know, we're not always the best with uh, answering messages and doing things like that, but there's a couple of people that if I get something from them, there's an immediate answer. There's an immediate call. Just if it's like, hey, what are you doing? Call them, be like, hey, what are you doing? Because you just, you know, you never know. Uh, and it's, it's just good to know that, you know, when you have people in your life that care about you that much and you listen to them, you see that you're able to get through these things a lot better because you have that support, right? Um, I think the problem is a lot of people. Yeah, we do. We, we need each other. I, I mean, you yeah. know, I, I go back to the Bible with, you know, the, the Genesis chapter where, you know, God made man and then God realized it's not good for man to be alone. And so, yeah. you know, I put man to sleep. I take his rib out. I make woman. And I don't think that's so much about, you know, a, a, a man and woman, the union between a man and a woman, as much as it is, we need each other. You know, yeah. we're not good individually. And, and I always tell, especially young people who kind of think, you know, hey, it's all about me. I got news for you. You're unique, but you're not special. You know, we all have unique <laughs> gifts and talents, but, but you know, you're not as special as you think. And individually, you can't do anything. Collectively, 
we can do anything we set our mind to. So I, I really think it's important that we do come together and support each other. And I really think that's that's kind of what our mission, regardless of what you do for a living, our mission should be to serve, to serve our fellow man and, and to make their life as good as we possibly can, because that helps us to have a positive life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we're, we're running up on it a little bit. I did want to just really quick, two, two more things for you. The first is, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the book that you wrote was Sustainable Excellence, 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon Extraordinary Life. Uh, where can people get that? Um, what, have you, what have you heard from people that have read it? And uh, again, yeah, just tell us a little bit about the book. Sure. So uh, the book can pretty much be uh, gotten anywhere you can get a book online. Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Apple iBooks. Uh, pretty much if you Google it online, you're, you're going to find someplace that sells it. Um, it's really a book that was born out of two conversations that I had. One was with a former player who moved to the area where my wife and I live, and we had had dinner with her and her fiance one night. And I remember saying to her after dinner, I'm really excited that you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while and she looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth using your unique gifts and talents and living that reason. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man uh, from college who reached out to me on social media and asked me what I thought were the most important things that he should learn to not only be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are very important. But I wanted to see if I could go deeper with them. And so I spent some time, I wrote some notes, and eventually I had these 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles, and I sent them to him. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, you know, I got a life story that fits underneath this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So literally during the three-month period that I was healing after my leg amputation and before I started chemotherapy in my lungs, I sat down at the computer every day and I built stories, and they're real stories about real people underneath each of the principles. And that's how sustainable excellence came to be. And the fun thing for me as an author is that when somebody reads the book, there's always one principle and each chapter is a principle. There's always one principle that resonates with that reader. And that's always a good starting point to have a discussion that, you know, hey, number five, and, and they're not in any particular order. Number one isn't any more important than number seven, but it's always fun for me as an author to say, oh, you like that one or you, you like this one. So it's a great starting point to have a conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. I, and I'm actually uh, going to read the book because I think that anything that you can read to help make you better is something that you should always do. I like to read books that give you purpose versus like, you know, fiction books that are like stories about, you know, uh, things that don't exist. I'd rather, I like to develop myself in things. So I'm excited to read it. And then the last thing for all of our listeners is what's what's next for you in your life. I know that you're you're still fighting every day. You're you're still helping people every day. But what kind of things are you looking to do next in your life that uh, people can just learn more about? I, I guess a couple things. I you know my I, doing these podcasts. I, you know they give me energy. They give me motivation. So I'm enjoying that. So I'm going to continue to do that. Um, I'm going to start a membership program. Enough people have reached out to me and said, hey, we would like some more, you know, maybe some more in-depth things on, on your book and, and some of, of your life experiences. So I'm, I'm going to start that. And then the other thing that I'm looking to do is, 
you know, when I wrote Sustainable Excellence, it's a book about success, you know, how we can be successful. And I think I'd like to write another book that also begins with a word or with a letter that, uh, S, and that's significance. You know, success is what we do for us. Significance is what we do for other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you can be successful and significant, but I think I'd like to write a second book that kind of explores more how we can be significant or how other people have been significant in the lives of other people. That's amazing. Well, Tara, I tell you, I, I appreciate the time that you gave me today. Uh, I, I enjoyed talking with you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours because you have just, you know, a great energy about you. And I can see now why, you know, a lot of people want to learn from you and hear your story because uh, despite everything that you've been through, you're still smiling, you're happy on here, you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're excited to help people. And there's not a lot of people that do that nowadays. So I just want to, you know, first, thank you for doing that. I think that's uh, very admirable. And, and, you know, it's encouraging, and it motivates me to go out and do more things, right? Like, how bad could it be for me, if someone like you that's had all this adversity, and you're still battling and are, are, is out here working and grinding every day? It's just a life lesson that a lot of people can learn from. Um, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, if there's anything that we can ever, you know, help you out with along your journey, please let us know. We would like to, you know, contribute in any way that we can. And we'll be looking out for those those membership uh, links because, you know, once we read the book, I'm sure people in our audience are going to want to, you know, jump into that a little more in depth. And, you know, once again, thank you. I just I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on, Matt. You know, I always say it's it's nice people like you that allow me to come on and and tell my story and hopefully between our conversation we're going to make a difference in somebody's life. And if we do, today's been a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you so much. And again, uh, thank you for your daughter's service. Thank you as well for your service to our communities. You know, a lot of first responders and, and you know, police officers, EMS, dispatchers, a lot of those people don't get a lot of that recognition that the military gets. But to keep our community safe, it started with people like you. And so well, I just you. wanted to really acknowledge and thank you for that as well. And, uh, You're welcome. You know, thank you I, as well for, for your service. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And then, you know, as, as always, just like and subscribe. Uh, we're going to be on YouTube. We'll, we'll get the link sent out to you so that you can share with everybody as well. And I'm just interested for people to hear it. And again, thank you so much. You're welcome. You have a good day. You too, sir.